Welcome to the Next Step Business Podcast. I'm Bob Camp, your host. For each podcast, I'm inviting successful business leaders to discuss strategy, execution, high-performing teams, innovation, and more. Join us to learn more about getting the business you want and living life on your terms. I'd like to welcome Mike Such, founder and CEO of, of Junk Be Gone, and really excited to have you here, Mike. We met a few years ago, a couple conversations in between. I've always been impressed with you as an individual and what you've been doing with your business and, and all the things that have been important to you. I'd like to first get a little bit of background. Tell me more about you, Junk Be Gone, and other things that you may be doing. Sure. First of all, Bob, thank you for having me on. I certainly appreciate it. We've known each other for years, and you've taught me an awful lot. So it's part of the success around here is learning from others. And I've implemented an awful lot of what you've taught and shared with me over the years. So thank you for that. Well, very kind. Um, thank you. Junk Be Gone is a 17-year-old company now. We, we started in 2005, and I spent 20 years in the corporate industry first. So I was a sales manager for Nestle USA and then for Bush Brothers here in town and spent an awful lot of time on the road and spent an awful lot of time selling things around the country and had a blast doing it. We had gotten to the point where in 2003, 2004, where we were moving on and we were heading towards St. Louis. And my wife looked at me and said, it'd be really neat to stay here. And I just laughed and said, it is a nice place. Knoxville is a beautiful place. And I had always dreamed of being an entrepreneur. So we decided at that point to look into some businesses here in town and try to stay in East Tennessee. So we looked into franchises, a bunch of different franchises, mostly in the, the food industry because I was in with both my previous jobs in the food industry and even before that. But we stumbled across this idea of junk removal actually through a neighbor having a beer and a cigar in my, my garage. So his father had just passed away and he was telling me the story of how hard it was to find somebody to help him clear out the house and get things ready to go. So I started looking into it after that conversation and looked into some franchises and actually visited them throughout the country. Thought it was a neat concept. I laugh with people all the time. I went from the boardroom within 30 days to cleaning out somebody's garage. So very humbling when you start your own business also. So it's a lot of fun, but we, it wasn't really 30 days. It was 30 days from my last visit. So it took about six months to fully research what the, the process was, the companies go to talk to owners of franchises and that type of thing. And that's what I did. I traveled all over the place for almost six straight months until we were making the decision of whether to go with a franchise or open our own company. And that's what we were debating back and forth. So that's how it all came to be. My wife actually came up with the name. My daughters who were at the time about six and eight years old, uh, we put about a hundred bees out on the table and I let them go through and pick the ones that they liked the best. And the whole idea was we wanted a friendly company, a friendly logo, a friendly, almost Disney image that we wanted to portray out there because we knew our target audience was women with children. And what I really wanted to do is when we pulled up next to a car on the street that the the little boy or girl in the back seat said, look, mommy, there's a bee up there and have her look at our name. And when we first started and I was on the truck, it happened every day. It worked just like we wanted it to work. So it was kind of a neat thing. That is a neat thing. So what was the deciding point to start your own versus a franchise? Was there something that was really made a difference? Talking to the franchise owners is what drove us toward doing it ourselves. So although the franchise owners were happy that they were in the franchise, they didn't like the restrictions that were put on them. So, and one of the, the, the deals about going from the corporate world to an independent entrepreneur world were, boy, there seemed to be a lot of rules in the corporate world in every company that I worked for. And they had the same complaints that they all, almost felt handcuffed by some of the franchise things that were going on. Although I got to tell you, having that playbook right off the bat wasn't the hindsight says that wouldn't have been such a bad thing. So trying to create a playbook versus having a playbook 
I would rather have a playbook. I will say that. But that's the reason that we've headed toward our own company and starting our own versus going with a franchise. Yeah, I said that playbook can be helpful. Your background in sales and marketing and in some other, and of course your education, and we'll talk about finance in a little bit, but sitting down and the way you approached, number one, your wife coming up with a name and then having your children pick the logo, that's actually quite both creative, but also from a standpoint of it not having to be your own idea or your own, you know, your own perception of what's most important. I thought that was an interesting approach to getting your thought process was, I, I love that. But having your children, your daughters pick it out was, I thought was actually quite novel and apparently has worked. Yeah, it's worked out pretty well. It's it, Again, it goes with the, the background. I've had a, an awful lot of people come up and ask me straight out of uh, high school or college and say, I really just want to start my own company. And I will tell you that working for both Nestle and Bush Brothers was invaluable. What I learned during that process, during those 20 years in the corporate industry, I couldn't have learned anyplace else. And I would, I always tell somebody, go find a job first. Go find something in the industry that you want to go into. Learn. And if the more you learn, the more you can apply toward your own company. But that's a perfect example. I learned over the years about the key marketing, the target audiences, what really drove the sales of certain products. And when you learn that, you don't forget it, especially. It's really interesting. You, you learn how to... Um, been always considered a workaholic so 60 hours a week was nothing that's that's just what i always did but to do it for yourself that's neat one of the things i wanted to dig into because i remember one of the last conversations we had i've always thought about you from a marketing sense because one of the things i don't i didn't know when i first saw junk be gone i didn't know that you were a local company and you made a change there the, the other element I want to bring in is that you have a strong finance background or your education is finance. And how do you look at marketing and finance and metrics? And there's an awful lot there in business that if we don't pay attention to, it gets away from us. Yes. Yeah. A lot of, again, I, a lot of people ask me to go and have a cup of coffee, which I, I enjoy doing with just about everybody. But I'm a business and finance major, and it helps me through my corporate career also, is that doing budgets, establishing things that we were doing, and really maintaining and staying on top of it was part of the success that I had in the corporate world. And it fell right into this. This was great. We had QuickBooks from day one. So being a, a finance and an accounting guy, it was, I love the name Intuit. It's so intuitive when you go into it. It's easy. It's not a difficult program at all, which is what their whole process is all about. But to be able to see every day, to put a budget together and say, okay, this is working, this isn't. Okay, I'm running out of money here because with any small business, it's always cash flow. You got to figure out the cash flow first and the profits really come along the way. But they don't come for a little while, at least they didn't with me. I used to laugh with people all the time and said, I run the best nonprofit in all of Knoxville. It was just, it just took a while to figure it all out, to figure out the pieces of the puzzle that for the longest time you just do things just to get by. And again, a lot of that has to do with the playbook of a franchise that could, they'll give you versus learning it on your own too. 17 years later, I can look back and say, here are my mistakes. But because I looked at those finances and still do almost on a daily basis, I know when we have to turn to the left a little bit or turn to the right a little bit, and it, that piece of the puzzle has been great. You made an important note there. Coming from the corporate world myself and, and moving into small business, that mindset of changing from profit margins to cash flow. Profit margins are important, the P&L is important, but cash flow really became the critical piece. Can you expand on that a little bit because you're making that transition? Yes, it's again, you're working in the corporate world and you're grabbing a paycheck every week regardless of the fact. Now, don't get me wrong, if you don't make the company money, they're going to fire you. 
if you make the company more money, they're going to promote you. It's just how the corporate world works. In your own business, you really have to, the beginning is really focused on paying the bills and paying your employees. I take great pride in the fact that we've been open 17 years and I never missed a paycheck for any of my employees. I didn't take a paycheck for a long time. My wife reminded me that at the beginning. It took a minute or two to get to get, bring some money home, but to say that you hire people to help you out and that you always pay them and we pay on a weekly basis and never miss any of those paychecks because of a cash flow issue means we were focused on it. It does mean cutting the corners at first. It means buying a used truck versus a new truck. It means looking for the cheapest way to get away from, do I buy it sounds funny, but from a material standpoint, garbage bags are extremely important to us around here. We go through a lot of them because we're cleaning a bunch of stuff out. We didn't use the contractor bags at first. They were too expensive. We used the regular bags and we built into what we needed to do. But those are what you do to start off with, to, to learn, to figure these things out. Yeah. So ever since I've known you, humility or being humbles is I think you you have a big personality you're always engaging but being humble has always been a part of who you are and, and putting your employees first we see that with best owners out there is they really do take care of their customers they take care of their employees and they're investing in their own long-term future it's not a quick hit and so one of the things too you have really focused on building the right kind of mindset, culture in the business. Can you tell me and tell us a little bit more about what your real intent is around that and what, kind of what's happened out of that? Yeah, and again, it's a vault uh, over 17 years. We've always stood by honesty, integrity, and trust. That's always what the company has been about. I have it on the sign. I've always had it above a door. I, we try to do things the right way. And even to this day, sometimes we make mistakes where with a customer, we may have quoted it too low. We may have done something that, that just didn't pan out the way we thought it was going to. And we'll break even or lose money on a customer rather than break our word. And that's just how we do things around here. And the employees, you always want to treat your customers like gold because they are. If they tell a friend that you were great, that's wonderful. If you don't do a good job, they'll tell 10 of their friends you're not very good. So we learned that early on and, and I knew that from my previous life and, and that's just how we do things. But with, with regards to the employees, you have to treat them just like your customers or better. You know, I, I was blessed enough to work for a couple of companies that treated me very well. Um, and I will say that We've tried to do the same thing with our employees here, is treat them extremely well. We try to pay them a fair wage. We try to make sure that they're taken care of. They have all their equipment, that we listen to any issues that we have. If somebody's going to school, we work around the school hours. If somebody has children coming home in the afternoon, we try to get them off early in the afternoon. We work around the things that we have to work around in order to keep the really good employees that we have. And so that's one of the things that the culture that we're trying, we have developed here. I said, but the longest time it was so few people. And now we have, it's not a lot of people. It's 35, 40 people is what we have now. But we try to keep that culture in place with what we're doing. And you hear it. When you hear somebody repeat that, that's when you feel good. It's not when you say it. It's when they say it. Yeah, and listening is such a key part of that. I I remember when I was young, my my dad who worked in a factory and they were getting ready to close the plants in the city that we lived in and 19,000 people were going to be laid off. He made the comment that companies were no longer supporting people and uh, people weren't communicating with the companies. And I remember him saying to me, you're probably going to work for several companies in your lifetime, not two like he had. And I believe, you know, that the companies, the business owners and the companies to use, like you said, those you worked for and, and in your own company, when you take care of your people in the same way you want your customers taken care of, it, it, it plays through. And I uh, just commend you on that. A little bit. Thanks. 
Yeah. You also get out and speak, if I remember correctly, to whether it's high schools or college colleges, as far as business and entrepreneurship. I, I do. I enjoy doing it. it. It's fun to talk about the business. I, it's 17 years in, and I, I tell my wife that we're almost there. We're not there. We're almost there. I don't know if we'll ever hit the I'm there stage of life. But I love talking to people who have great ideas and do that are looking at entrepreneurship. And actually, the classes I talk to in high school are entrepreneur classes. And the, these they're great kids. They got great ideas. And you can just see how excited they are. And our concept is it, it was just unique. So at, now we have a million competitors and everybody's in town. But in 2005, there was not one company doing what we're doing now. So we kind of charge through it in this marketplace. And that's what they are doing. They're coming up with the new ideas. And they have some really neat things that they're going through. And if I can help them just a little bit with a little bit of experience and a little bit of gray hair that I have that helps them, that's great. So it's really less about me and more about them when you're sitting there talking to them. It's a lot of fun because it's the question and answers at the end of it that are the most fun to hear. Yep. I love that you do this because, you know, giving back, I think, is such an important part of, of what we do in our community. So what kind of questions do they ask you? It's usually finance comes up first. When will I make the money? Everybody wants to know that. How long is it going to be until that has to be the number one question I get from my cup of coffees with people and, and people who are going into it is that hey, it depends on what you're doing and how you're doing it. But Six months, a year, two years, it's an unusual to have, you have to be financially ready to do that. How did you get your money up front? That's always a huge question is, what finances, what bank did you go to? How did you get your finances? Who's gonna stand behind a brand new company when you need to get some equipment or you need to get computers and a place to work at and all that type of thing? So many of the ones that I talk to now can do it in the basements of their houses which is neat and everything's remote now and the computer technology and what's being done is so incredible now that I just, I, I get a big kick out of it. So I would say those are the two biggest questions that I get all the time is how long is it going to take me to make some money and, and how do I get the money to start up? That's, those are awesome questions. Are there, is there a question or questions you, you wish they were asking or you say, I wish you had asked this question? I always input one thing that they don't ask an awful lot about and that's work ethic so a lot of people that i talk to i get up at 4 30 every day for the first three years of this company i walked the hallways at 3 30 in the morning just wondering how i was going to make it through the next day but you get up early you get things organized you know what your day's going to be your calendar is full the best advice i got from a friend of mine along the way was if you think you can sit in back of your desk and that sales are going to improve you're missing something you got to get off out go see people our goal around here is to shake eight hands a day and see people and smile and be seen and those are all so important and i try to emphasize to people who think they can sleep in until 10 o'clock and start at 11 o'clock and I can get this done in half the time, it doesn't work. It doesn't work that way. Um, you know, work ethic, it's hard to find. It's hard to find the person who invests it. Or, hey, I want to start this company, but I'm going to work full-time over here and I'm going to do that part-time. God bless you. Good luck. It's not going to work that way. If you want to start something up, you really have to put both feet in the pool. That's just how it is. So, it's it's interesting because you can have that work ethic, but when you try to split it between two jobs, so to speak, a job and, and your side hustle, the side hustle usually loses. And so, I, I, another gentleman I know who, for years, was doing the side hustle with his with with a couple partners, and it just never took off. And now that he has left the high-paying job, the business is coming together. still takes time, but the work ethic is still there. And I think that is a, a critical piece. How, well, 
Let me ask you this, because you had your daughters. How are they involved in the business now, or are they involved in the business? One of them still does all our social media, and she's very involved. One is no longer involved, but all three of them, my two daughters and my wife, have always been involved in the company. We laugh about some of the things that they learned during this whole process, but networking they went to all the networkings with me. So whether we had it ourselves, whether we were having a networking with the chamber or whether um, we were going to a networking I, when they were, you know, 10 and eight years old and 15 and, and 13 years old, I'd bring them along and they'd be in a junk be gone shirt and we'd be talking and stuff. And it's helped them through both their careers. And they've said it to me. They can, public speaking, they don't have an issue with going up and talking to people and looking them at the eye and, and shaking their hands. Not so much anymore, but they don't have issues with it. And people have asked them, why are you so comfortable doing that? And you're like, are you kidding? My dad owned his own company. It's, it's just what we did. And my wife, she's been involved in the company, still is. She helps on the recycling side. She helps on on getting us better. We donate a lot of things. We recycle as much as possible. That's a big part of our business. And But she's always been supportive in working with it or dropping off the girls and doing all that stuff. I mean, my girls were cleaned up my offices forever. So that was part of their job and, and they enjoyed it. They got paid for it, and, and but they did a good job. They showed up, they understood all that stuff. They're, they're, I'm extremely proud of their work ethic. Extremely proud. And the fact that you involved them, that you had time with them, I think is, from my perspective, so important because we can see sometimes that business owners or executives in companies get so busy. I was watching a movie the other night, and it was The Adams Family, and it was like how wonderful it is to have kids and somebody else to raise them. Yeah. You've taken the route of having influence, but involving your children, your daughters, so that they grow. And you grow in that process, too. I just find it always, because I work with my daughter now, and it's this, you start learning about their knowledge, and there's a point where their ideas you need to be listening to, and it's in learning from. So it's, it's the teacher becomes the student. It's so much fun. And it keeps you young. They'll, they laugh at me all the time about my gray hair and how out of touch I am with certain things. But in during that entire process, they really keep you young. They keep you laughing. And we talk about an awful lot of things, but you look back and you're like, okay, so what's the difference by by starting your own company and staying with it before, instead of just moving on. I had plenty of opportunities years ago to go back to the corporate world. And it's because I wake up every day and I can't wait to get to work. I love it. <laughs> I love what I'm doing. I love the people I work with. It's just fun. And how often can you say that? How often do you hear somebody say, God, I just dread getting up work today. Heck, I... My girls have heard me say over the years, I can't wait to get to work. I think the drive is, is a waste of time. I can't wait to get get started because there's so much in my mind that's going through all the time of what we can do next and, and how we're doing it. And can we apply it? We've always talked about expansion. Do you want to go to Chattanooga? Do you want to go to different places? Or have you, we established a brand where we can increase our services? And that's really what we've elected to do over the years is increase our services out there because we're so well known. And I think we've got a trusted brand that we've established here. So just building upon, up, you know, upon that brand has worked out pretty well for us. That brand is, is so much based upon, I, I would say, your personality because there is this optimism and there is this joy that comes with it there's also this level of detail whether it's the detail of how well we do the job and making sure we have all the right pieces and and people are doing the right things but it's also you in the background from what i've learned is whether you find joy in the financial analysis or looking at the metrics of your marketing whether you have joy 
in it or you find joy in it. I'm not sure which one it is, <laughs> but you really do pay attention to the big picture and the details. And you're an optimist at the same time. You will look at things not optimistically, but really try to look at it from a factual, here it is, here's, I need to make a decision on this, whatever, I need to do this differently, whatever it might be. Can you talk about that with regards to how you look at marketing? Because I know your marketing, where you market now is shifting. Some of the messaging has shifted, but even the investments you've made over time, I look at marketing as an investment and you've done a great job in marketing because you are a brand that's really recognized. Well, thank you for that. What I would tell you from the detail orientation, I hire great people. <laughs> and they are the detail-orientated ones. I hire great people. And, and everybody in this office, and they're just great at what they do individually and how they work is just amazing to me. I float at twenty and 30,000 feet an awful lot because I have a lot of ideas that I'd like to implement. And yet, if something's wrong with the truck, I love going outside, turning my hat backwards, putting my gloves on and fixing the truck at the same time. And I have learned how to do that over the... It's amazing how much from a engine and small engine point of view that I know at this point. So it's you just learn everything as you go along, and it's osmosis, and you just learn it. The marketing piece of the puzzle is, to me, it's the success. It evolves. And when we first started with this company, our biggest expenditure was the Yellow Pages. That's 2005. We're not that far removed from 2005. And the Yellow Pages doesn't exist anymore, and if you're not on social media and you're not on the internet, you're in trouble. And it has, TV still has its place, radio still has its place, but it continues every year to evolve to a different place. And we said, I said it earlier on, we established a, a friendly brand early on knowing who our target audience was before we even started and identifying who we believed our target audience was. And then we added services that went outside the original target audience. So you had to broaden your approach of your marketing with each service that you bring on because it's not always the same person or the same end consumer in the whole deal. It is a continuous evaluation, and I love it. I, I would lie. I love having the marketing meetings. I love sitting in the meeting with somebody from a television station and a media company and the radio station and just listening to what they're pitching, listening to who the target audience they think we should have and what different vehicles they have to reach them and how we've gone from a shotgun approach to a sniper approach of going after some of these folks. And to me, it's in every meeting. I was just in one yesterday. Every meeting, I learned something new, and I think it's great. I just, I walk out of the meeting, God, it's just so different than it used to be. And, but it's, it's, to me, there's a, a, a huge piece of excitement to learn a, a new piece that I didn't know existed and to walk out and say, okay, is it, we don't do them all, but that's because there are certain pieces of the puzzle that you go after. So the strategy when we first started was we had to teach people what we did. So it's a whole different level of education. Today, it's more of reminding people we're still here. It's more of a branding strategy now of just saying, hey, we're over here. Don't forget us. I know there's a lot of competitors here, but we've been here a long time, so don't forget about us. And you're local. Yes. That's your locally owned business. And like you said, you've, you've talked, you covered a lot of ground there. One of the things that piqued my interest first was how do you recognize what is working for you or how do you determine what is working for you and when you need to shift as far as what medium whether it's tv radio social media going from the yellow pages how do you know when you need to shift or when something's no longer working sales is a, a huge indication so if sales are growing that's always a wonderful thing it means you're doing something right when it comes to our customers asking the customers how did you hear about us and our biggest issue as we've gotten older has been when we first started, it was always the same thing. We saw your truck. 
And truck was the number one thing. Now we have, you know, 24 trucks and 150 dumpsters, and our name's out there an awful lot, and that's neat. And everybody says the same thing to me. Why would you advertise with all that stuff out there? And I said, we still have to reach the target audience and keep it going. So that's why you continue what you're doing. But it's just, it shifts as you get more established. It shifts as who you are, and it shifts for the purpose of, of why you're doing it. When the, the rubber meets the road, it's, I'm never happy and, and haven't been happy ever if we had a flat year. Our goal is always to grow, not only in what we're learning from the new developments that are going on, but if, and we haven't, I can't remember the last time we had a flat year. It's been well over 10 years ago. But if we had a flat year, I would sit back and look seriously at, okay, we did something wrong. We misstepped because the growth that we've enjoyed has been great, but it's because we've paid attention to the marketplace and shifting strategies with how the economy is. All those things come into play. It is paying attention at a detail level and, and not losing the sight of where you want to be. So congratulations on the 10 years because that's it's too easy to sit back at, at some point in time. And I like what someone said, if you aren't growing, you're dying. That's been said for by, yes. by many people. <laughs> but it's too easy to say, I just got to let go of this for a while. I need to take a little break. That's not what happens. <laughs> If, if no. you're going to be successful. And yeah. having good people around you is absolutely critical. You've done more than just junk be gone. It's, I know you've expanded into paper and some other areas to be able to collect. What else are you, is there anything else that you're doing? The paper shredding is what we're focused on right now. We've, we've bought a shred truck so we can do on-site shredding. Our customers really start us, started us out in shredding years ago. It was really during 2010, 2011, when all the businesses were going out of business, we were cleaning them out, and they all had shred, and they wanted us to take it. And we got into the business, and we did off-site shredding at that time, and we just it just stayed in the background. About a year or so ago, probably a little bit longer than that, I looked at it and said, all right, we're not doing real well in this area. We're just maintaining, to your point. We're not growing, but we're maintaining, so... I went to a few of our customers and said, hey, I think we're going to get out of this. And they're like, oh, no, you're not. We like what you do. We like how you're doing and everything else. You need to get into it and let us explain why. And there's an opportunity in the marketplace. There really was. So I was like, okay. I, I talked to a few more people and went and talked to the folks who actually make the shred trucks and drove over to North Carolina to learn more about them and how it worked and the ups and downs behind these trucks. And I tried to learn from them about the industry because if there's anybody who's going to know, it's the people who make the trucks for the industry that on whether it's growing, shrinking. Because all you hear is everything's going computer and the paper's going away. They have, they've been having record years for the last few years. So paper's not going away if they're still having record years. So that's why we decided to get into the business with both feet in the water. So we bought a, a truck and we, we went through the training process of how to properly shred paper, what chain of custody means, what the security needs to be, everything behind it, the proper recycling of the paper that we have and how to do it. We then had people come to our facility here and train us and the technicians that we have on our trucks to do it the right way. And we did all that before we started advertising or, or day one. And, and it's gone. We were only, knock on wood, we're only 60, 60 days into the launch. But I'm very pleased with the results so far. And, and the customers are happy to see us. And, and it, it's a neat thing that's going that's on. That's exciting. Right? Yes, it is. What a novel approach. Go to your clients and ask them about a change in your business. And then really liked that you went you know, into the supply chain the actual manufacturers of the trucks and the systems to really ask them what you know, to figure out what was going on with the industry. That is, that was really good thinking to do that. Was that just a, how you think? 
Yeah. I hate to say it, it, it's a huge investment. So these trucks are very expensive. You're talking $200,000 plus for a truck. And if we're going to get it in both feet, we need to have these trucks and, and doing it the right way. There are folks that we had talked to and I had talked to, entrepreneurs from other marketplaces who are doing this. But they're, in my opinion, they did not do the proper research on how to do it the right way. They just bought a truck. But I wanted to learn the processes. I wanted to know what was the right way and the wrong way. What are the biggest mistakes people make? Who's the biggest opportunity to go after? There's always Goliaths in every industry. So what don't the Goliaths care about, which is the opportunity? And I've always said that, even with the junk removal business, my goal was never to go head-to-head against Waste Management or Waste Connections or Republic or any of the big garbage companies. They'd crush us. So what's the opportunity? The opportunity was they weren't helping people remove things from their houses. They weren't doing the actual cleaning out of the facilities. So we went in a different direction. They didn't care about the small dumpsters. They cared about the 30 and 40 yard dumpsters. That's where their money is. It's not in the, so we went to a smaller dumpster and focused on that and went after the driveway dumpsters. There's plenty of books about this that I've read along the way. And I enjoy reading to this day and I enjoy reading Blue Oceans versus Red Seas. I just think that's one of the things that's always stuck with me. I, I don't, want to i'm not here to kill the big guys i just want the things that they don't want at least from my perspective you probably find joy in practically anything you would do it but it is part of again i think it's part of your culture it extends from who you are and i just you know compliment you again on that because when i've met a few of your people in the past and just being around you it's just always been very positive and can't say enough because it's you're creating jobs in this community and that's one yes. of the things that I think is really important for our community. I'm a believer is you create jobs, create great work cultures. People get along better with each other. They get better along you know, with their families, get better along with their community. All that plays strongly in, in the, the strength of our community. Is there something that you would like to share that I haven't asked about? No, I would. We've gone through the whole thing at this point. It's it's keep the faith in so many different ways is what I would tell people when they're going into it. It's uh, people ask me all the time and asked me when I first started, even five years into it, why are you doing this? I like it. It wasn't making anywhere near the money I was making in the corporate world, but I enjoyed it every day. And, and if you find something that you enjoy doing. If you like the lead and, and watch people grow, it's a neat thing to, to have happen. And it's hard not to see it. You said it earlier. One of the big things to me was family. And whether that's my family at home, when I was in the corporate world, I was on an airplane four or five days a week and didn't see so many important things. And then all of a sudden I saw everything and I wouldn't have given that up for the world. Love it. Love today when somebody talk about their kids and, and we talk about things that the kids come first, period. There's no question. That's just how it is. And, and you sit back and, and you say, okay, if you could do everything all over again, I'd probably figure out how to way to make a little bit more money early on. <laughs> but other than that, I wouldn't change a thing. I've enjoyed the ride. So it's been a lot of fun. And I wouldn't change the corporate world out of it either. I enjoyed the ride. It was fun, and I learned so much and still apply it today. Mike, I just wanted to thank you so much for being part of this. been wanting to get you on this for a while. I always have appreciated our conversations, and I'm excited for people to hear how you bring together your thoughts, culture, business, your family, all these things to make this worthwhile for you and the people that work with you and your customers. I, I appreciate it, Bob. It's always, always a pleasure to talk with you, no doubt about it.